Okay, so um, this is it. So if you're here for the first time in the Umbrella Series, you're, on the, you're here for the last week, okay? It's okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to kind of catch you up. But if you've been here for all four of the Sundays, either personally or you've watched them online or you've listened to the podcast or, um, man, if you were really, like, living on the wild side and watched us on Vimeo, Huh. Why would you just listen, right? I have a radio. I don't have a. I have a radio face, right? So just listen to the podcast. But if you've engaged with this series all the way through, I just want to say thank you, right? Like, if you want to pat yourself on the back, you can. But I just want to say thank you because some series are easier to engage with than others, and this one's been a little tough to teach, and it's probably been a little tough to hear. Okay, um, but if you've if you stuck with us. Through, the, through all three of the weeks previous and then today, I just want to say thank you so very much. Can I read with you a, a verse that I've prayed over each Sunday before I've taught during this series? It's Psalm 143.10. It's a great psalm. It's a great prayer to pray over your life anyway, but this is something I've prayed over our church every Sunday before we started these teachings. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. That's a great prayer anyway. But what I've been praying is that God would use this series and some of the truths that we've talked about, some of the harder truths, to lead us forward on firm footing. And that's exactly what he's been doing. Here's how he's done it the, the first three weeks. Week one, here's the, all the big ideas. If we want God's protection, and this has been a series about protection, right? So you, you take an umbrella and you use it because it's, raining or it's sunny. Or, yeah, you need protection from the elements. So if we want God's protection, week one we said we have to trust his direction. Now, we said in that first week that this umbrella spiritually is Jesus, right? We talked about how God's always had a plan to protect us, always had a plan to cover us. And if you go all the way back through Genesis up to the New Testament, it all pointed to Jesus. So Jesus is our umbrella. So God invites us into a relationship. He covers us in Jesus. And so when we're walking with Jesus, we're kind of under his protection, right? That first week, I know this does not relate to anybody here except for the person next to you, right? So the person next to you knows that this is true. You've probably never experienced it. But if you're walking with God every now and then, doesn't God tend to go a direction that you don't want to go? And if we're honest, this is when we convince God to follow us, right? And he's like, uh, no, Paul. I'm just te teaching myself right now. He's like, no, Paul, if you want my protection, trust my direction, right? And then the second week got a little bit harder, didn't it? Because we talked about how there's umbrella, the umbrella of God. Like he's got direct authority over us in his word and, and who he is. But there are also umbrellas under the umbrella, right? So let's name a few of them. Ugh, here we go. Bosses, teachers, the law officer who pulled you over this past week, the president, oh, Trump, or if you're a Trump fan, Obama, or Clinton, or whoever you want to throw in there, right? Like Paul wrote in Romans 13, he said that the authorities, the umbrellas under the umbrella, they're actually placed there by God. So the crazy thing is we fight with God about the bad leaders that we have, but Romans 13 was written about, do you remember his name? It starts with N, ends with Eero. Nero. Good job, y'all. Nero was a bad dude. He, he persecuted Christians so badly 
that Roman citizens who didn't like Christians felt bad for Christians. That's, that's how bad of a leader he was. And so we said in the second week that sometimes God uses leaders to correct us. If you read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says that the New Testament church was told this, like you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. Remember, you're going to be my witnesses where you are and all the way to the ends of the earth. And it took the church seven whole chapters to forget that. So by Acts chapter 8, verse 1, they were a mega church in Jerusalem. And so the Spirit sent persecution through government to scatter the church to the ends of the earth. God uses leaders, umbrellas under the umbrella, to correct us. We have to trust. If we want his protection, we've got to trust his correction. And then last week, oh, y'all, last week we talked about if we want God's protection, we have to understand his rejection. Remember that? And rejection is a concept that we don't like to think about. We think, like, he's a loving God. Why would he reject anybody? But we saw in Scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament that a loving God does sometimes reject something. And what does he reject? He rejects rebellion, right? So it's weird to think about it like this, but the first two weeks we said, hey, sometimes the umbrella moves away from us, right? God takes a right turn when we want to go left, or our leader tells us something that we don't like, right? So we have the umbrella shifts and we have to follow it. But last week we talked about what happens when we walk away from the umbrella. And when we walk away from the umbrella, the only reasonable response is to repent, right? And to say to God, wait, you're a lot smarter than me. Is it okay if we say that? I know that if we're honest, we think we might be smarter than God in some areas of our lives, but he is smarter than we are, right? And so we repent and say, God, you're smarter than I am. And so I'm going to repent of, of walking away, of rebelling against you. We even looked at a really hard story in the Old Testament about King Saul and how he, he was deceived and thought that he had fully obeyed God. And he even presented the evidence of his disobedience to God to say, look, I did everything you said as he's presenting what he didn't do, right? Sometimes we use our disobedience and we, try, we forget that, wait, that disobedience means that I've rebelled against God, right? So all of this is just God trying to bring us back under the umbrella. He wants to protect us. So in this last week, because there's a lot that we could be thinking about, right, like these checklists, wait, when can I confront my boss? When can I walk away? Like we start doing this little checklist thing, and it can wear you out. So this last week, I just want to simplify everything, if I can. And I want to give you one key, all right, just one key that will keep us under the umbrella forever. Okay, here, here we go. It's not fear of rejection. It's not fear of punishment. Because sometimes we're like, well, you better get up under that umbrella, right? You've had leaders like that. But that's not the reason we stand under the umbrella. Here's your last big idea. If we want God's protection, we have to lean into God's affection. Okay? So this morning I want to wrap it up talking about his affection. Religion demands a relationship invites. Okay? It's important that we end the series on authority, understanding that it's a relationship issue. It's, if we see submission as a force issue, like God's saying, you better get your butt up under the umbrella, girl. That's my daughter. I can talk to her like that, but I never do. That was fun. If we see submission 
as a, a forced issue, then we're going to spend our entire walk with Jesus trying to get out from under the umbrella. You know how I know? Everybody say how. Nobody likes to be told what to do, am I right? Nobody. All of us have some rebel in us. And so the minute that we're told what to do, isn't it crazy how instinctively you want to do the opposite thing? So if we see submission to authority as a forced issue, then we're always going to try to get out from under the umbrella. No matter how good of a leader you might have, no matter how good you think God is, you'll find a way to try to get out from underneath him. Just because we don't like to be told what to do. It's not a forced issue. When we lean into the affection of the Father, we'll find ourselves always under his umbrella because we'll always be close to him, we'll be with him as he holds the umbrella, okay? So there's your big idea. Let's take the rest of the time just to kind of pick it apart. Um, I'm going to tell you something, and let's just see how you respond. Are you ready? God loves you. You responded about like I thought, right? Typical. So here's, here's the church response. God loves you, and here's what we do. Either we're like, amen, brother, or we nod our head. And then guess what we do? We live our lives as if we have to earn the love he's already given if we really believe that God loves us, then we don't have to earn it because he freely gives it. So when I say let's lean into the affection of the Father, let's just talk a little bit about what, what that would look like. What does leaning into the Father's affection look like? So first let's talk about what it looks like to live closer to the Father, okay? What does it look like to even just lean in closer to God? Here's some verses for you to jot down. James 4.8. They'll come up on the screen if you, if you need them. Come close to God, James writes, and God will come close to you. Isn't that weird? Like, he's saying, lean into God, and God will lean into you. So we, there's a promise. If we come close to God, if we lean into the Father's affection, then we know that he's leaning into us. Hebrews 4.16 so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we'll receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Don't point at them, but how many of you have people in your lives in the row right next to you who are always late? I said don't point, y'all. We don't want to do marriage counseling, right? <laughs> don't point. I don't know why this works, but usually if you're punctual, you fall in love with someone who's not. I don't know why that happens, but it does, right? God is never late. We might think he is. We might feel like he is, but he's never late. I love this verse. One of the promises of leaning into God is that he will give us mercy and grace. He'll give us what we need the most exactly when we need it the most. He's never late. He's not like the people that make you late. He is always on time. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's not like you. Only in the area of punctuality, right? At just the right time, right? At just the right time. Hebrews 11.6 says this, It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, in other words, we're talking about leaning into the Father. Anyone who wants to lean into God must believe that God exists. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, none of you are leaning into something that's not there. So you have to believe he exists if you're going to lean into God. But here's the part I want you to see. And that he rewards those 
who sincerely seek him. There's a reward for leaning into the love of the Father. I love that. In Luke 8, verse 46, before we read this verse, um, let me just tell you what's going on in Luke chapter 8. There's a woman, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She has this issue of blood for 12 years, and she says to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I can be healed. And so she, gets, she pushes through the crowd, and she touches. And I like to make that so dramatic. Like she's pushing through the crowd, and she's reaching with everything she has. I mean, I don't know how she did it, but eventually she touched the hem of his garment. And then we, we read this, Luke eight forty six, and Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. I just give you, I mean, if you don't hear anything else today, if you lean in to the Father, the promise there is that healing and power will come from him to you. That's a powerful promise. Healing power from the Father. So all of that comes from choosing to lean into the Father, but not just the Father. So we, we can actually sometimes be close to powerful people for the wrong reasons. This is our society. Our society wants to be close to powerful people so that we can get discovered. Pastors all over America are quoting Kanye today. Who never quoted him before. Yeah, Did I just hear people say who? I resign officially right now. All over America, they're going, to, they're going to quote Kanye West, right? Because he's dropped Jesus is King. He's dropped this, this album, this gospel album. And they're going to quote him today, but they never quoted him before. And why? Oh, so they can look relevant. So they can gain something from the association. And sometimes we can do that with God. We can associate with God for the wrong reasons. And that's not what God, he don't want you just to lean into him, just to lean into him so that you feel better. He wants you to lean into him so that you can be near the Father's affection for you. See, I don't want you just to lean into his affection. I want you to lean into his affection for you. Turn to the person next to you. Just look at them. Don't say anything. Just, just look at them. Study them really good. Not like in a dating way. Not like in a, hey, baby, let me give you my number way. But just like look at, check them out. Like check them out, right? Some of y'all took that way too far. And if I ever had control, I don't have it now, right? You're like. Y'all were close to licking people. That was weird, right? So God has affection for that person. He has affection for you. I want you to lean into his affection for you. Not just lean into God because it's some religious thing to do. Or the pastor said, hey, try to love God more. But understand his affection for you. So let me give you a couple of things that his affection does for you. You ready? John 3.16, you might know this verse. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but some of you aren't good gift givers. Some of you are the people that give gifts that get re-gifted, right? It's funny how, like, punctual people marry late people and, like, Givers marry re-givers, right? It's like weird. Like, like some of you are really good at giving gifts, and some of you are like, just it's not your deal, right? You just, you open the presents, and that people open your presents, and they're just like, thanks. And you know right away, like, it's going to be re-gifted, right? Or and it's going to be in a garage sale or something, right? What I want you to see about God is, what's his affection for you? He gave his best. He gave his son. He gave his best gift. 
He didn't go to the bargain bin and pull out a gift to give you. He gave his best for you. When you lean into his affection for you, you understand my, my God loves me so much that he gives his best to me. John 3, 16. Here, Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Paul writes this. Since we've been united with him, Jesus, in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. That's a great way to describe us, our old sinful selves. We're no longer slaves to sin. Verse 7 says this. For when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of of sin. Here's what we know about the love the Father has for us. It can bring dead things back to life. It can bring a dead marriage back to life. It can bring a hopeless person back to life. It can resurrect hope in you. It can resurrect your future. It can resurrect the things that have hurt you and you never want to, like, I don't want to touch that stuff anymore. It can resurrect healing in those areas the love that we lean into that the father has for you everybody say for me he loves you enough and his love can actually activate resurrection power in your life that's a promise from scripture ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 5 says this but god is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised christ from the dead it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. Do I have any Dave Ramsey fans in the house? Some of y'all are like, yeah. And some of y'all are like, I want to raise my hand, but I'm still in debt, right? <laughs> you can be a Dave Ramsey fan and still be in debt, right? What I love about this verse is, is, is this proves that the love of God for you gives you more than you deserve. Can I just shoot totally straight with you guys, like as if I haven't? 331 other times, right? We don't deserve the good things we have. We deserve hell. I said it. Would you rather me be, I'll be nicer. We deserve H-E double hockey sticks, right? We deserve eternity apart from God. No matter how good you think you are, you don't deserve the good things that God gives us. But he gives us more than we deserve because he's rich in mercy. His affection for you gives you more than you deserve. I don't know about you. I want to lean into that, right? I want to lean into that kind of affection. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. John writes this, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. The love of God puts people in family. It's a promise from Scripture. I don't know if you're here and you feel like you're alone, right? Nobody understands what you're going through. I mean, they might not, but God does. And not only does the love of God, as you lean into his affection for you, not only does it remind you that he sees you, but this promise says he's not content to just see you. He wants to seat you in family. He wants to put you in community. He wants to give you sisters and brothers, mothers and fathers spiritually that can pour into your life. What a promise that is. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, here's what it says. We know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. 
that phrase, and we have put our trust in his love, the Greek there is um, the word for faith. You can raise your hands because you're going to be proud of this, I know. But um, how many of you have ever done a trust fall? A trust fall? Like you just fall back and somebody catches you? Have you ever done a trust fall for somebody who wasn't trustworthy? Or maybe they were trustworthy, but they were just weak, right? Um, my son Parker, he went through this little phase. He might still be in this phase. It's a weird phase. Yeah, he's still in Sydney's like, yeah, he's still in it. Pray for him, Dad, right? But, like, he'll just be walking along in a crowd, and he'll just go, trust, fall, and he'll fall backwards. Like, and if you're around him, he's kind of trusting that you'll catch him. It's a lot of faith. Might not be the smartest move in the world, right? Or maybe you've done this before. You ever pulled the chair out from somebody when they were sitting down? Uh-huh. Yeah, you didn't want to raise your hand on that one, but your faces gave it away, right? I'm just making a mental note. Never sit with you, right? Listen, what I want you to understand is that verse, here's a promise. When we lean into the affection that the Father has for us individually, it just said it. We can put our trust in his love. Here's what the Greek really is saying. The full weight of your faith can be placed in God's love. And he will not stumble. <laughs> I love Sydney, right? So every now and then Sydney will walk in and she'll just walk up and just put her, she'll just lean into me, right? Like give me a hug. And if I'm not prepared for it, it's hard for me to admit this because I want like, I want my man card, right? But if I'm not prepared for it and she leans in, sometimes it's like, oh, 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 hey, oh, hey, and I kind of catch my balance, you know. It's okay, it's all good. Keep doing it, don't stop. But God's not like that. We just read it. He can support your faith. He can support you when you lean into him. You bring all your stuff. We bring all of our stuff, all of our messed up lives, and we lean into the love of the Father, and he does not stumble. He stands strong. He's ready. He's prepared. I love that. That's a promise. It can support us when we lean into it. You can see how God's love for us and our love for God, see how that starts to make staying under the umbrella possible? Why would you not want to be near love like that? And why can a love like that not keep us from falling away? Giving ourselves to God's affection. Listen, let's just tie some of these weeks together. Giving ourselves to God's affection removes his rejection and allows us to trust his direction and correction. One more point, and then we'll, we'll land the whole series, which is crazy, isn't it? Like I told you, like, I, the way I do my sermons is I think about landing the plane every week. Like we, gotta, we can't stay up here all the time. we got to land that thing because you're like, I'm hungry, right? we got to land the plane, get off, and get our baggage, go whatever. But I'm landing a whole series today. Like this is like a seven, it's like a huge 747 like bringing in for a landing. This four weeks of series and teaching on umbrella. So let me make one more point. It does not apply to anybody in this room. Some people like to be close to God, but not close to other people. I know it's not, nobody in here, we're all good. I mean, it might be the person next to you, but it's not you, okay? You can breathe easy. Some people like to be close to God, but they don't want to be close to others. So we have a, um, our mission at the gathering is to become disciplers. It's two words it's easy to remember, become disciplers. And what that means is we want to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus, okay? And here's how we do it. We want to be near God, 
near man, and empowered to serve. Now, if we were the kind of people who want to be near God and like close to God but not close to people, our vision statement would be two words, near God. It feels empty just saying that. And we would say, but that's all you do is just want to be near God? Yeah, because we don't really like people. As a matter of fact, I mean, we're kind of glad you're here, but, eh. You know, like, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, that can't, that's, not, that's not the church. The church is to be near God but also near men and empowered to serve those people. God never desires affection. This is hard to hear, but just listen to me. He never desires affection with you and only you. God, the Father, does not have only children. He has a family. It's a weird family. I'm just looking around, right? And you're looking at me. You're like, dude, you're not kidding. You're in charge of it. What in the world, right? It's kind of a weird family. You got Tar Heel fans. You got Blue Devils. The occasional state fan. Whoop, whoop. Panther fans. Cowboy fans. That got quiet, didn't it? Stand strong. Stand strong. Got Patriot fans. Oh, that was hard to even say that out loud. He does. He really loves me. You got Republicans. You got Democrats. You got Independents. You got people in the family of God that don't vote like you. Think about that. He has a family. He doesn't have only children. So here's, what, here's the whole point. He doesn't just want you to lean into his affection for you. He wants you to lean into his affection for others. He wants us to lean into his affection for others. Here's a few truths about how God loves other people. We read John 3.16 earlier. Um, let me just quote it for you. It says, for God so loved Paul. No, no. For God so loved Panther fans. Mm, nah. For, stop. I mean, there's a time to amen strongly, and that was not it. It's fantastic. Preaching a sermon to a crowd full of hecklers. It's great. For God so loved Republicans, whites. No. What does it say? For God so loved the world, right? Y'all, the answer was right there. You could have been a little stronger. For God so loved the world. He didn't just love you. He loved you and you and you and you and you and me. He loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 says this, and when he, that's Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God wants us to have affection, lean into his affection for us. He wants us to lean into his affection for others. And the question today as we kind of bring this series to a close is this. How do those two go together? How do those two go together? And the answer is, it's all about dancing with the Father. Now, me and dancing have an odd history. I'm not good at it. If you've been at this church long enough, you've seen me during the intermissions, especially when they play something that's got a really good beat. I'm usually at the front just kind of dancing a little bit, and I have a problem. I can't dance, 
and I can't stop. That's a problem, right? Because some of you are like, dude, stop dancing. And I agree 100% with you, but I can't stop. I just like to move. Sometimes I have to just do the Bill Cosby old man dance, right? Like, but I just have to move. Now, I'm married to Wendy, and she loves to dance. And the reason she loves to dance is she's good at it. So one year for Christmas, I gave her dancing lessons. I mean, I didn't give her dancing lessons. She knows how to dance. I gave me dancing lessons with her. So she opened the present, and I had to, like, make a little certificate, you know, because you can't, like, how do you, you can't wrap up, like, a dancing instructor and put them in the box. That would have been weird. So I, she opens it up, and, and I had gotten, like, this cheesy clip art of some people dancing, and I had just written on the card. Here's what I wrote, because she knows I hate dancing. I just wrote, Merry Christmas. I love you more than the things I hate. Aw. So we went to the senior center. And it was awesome. We were like the young whippersnappers. You know what I'm saying? It was awesome. Like we were the youngest people by far at the senior center, and we were taught how to dance. And, I, again, I'm terrible at dancing. And so what I want you to understand is I learned one really important thing when they were teaching us how to dance, and here's what it was. The man who's leading the dance, the way you lead a dance, even if you're bad, is they said, you put your arm around her, I was good with that, and you get a strong grip and you pull her in close. Are we, are we good? <laughs> that was, okay, that was interesting. <laughs> Full disclosure, y'all, when I'm preaching these messages, I'm thinking to myself, which one are we going to put on live, the 9 o'clock or the 11? It's the 11 this week, just for that. That was awesome. I still don't know what it meant, but we're going to roll with it, right? Like, so, like, they said, get a strong arm and pull her in close. And if you'll get a strong, firm grip on the person that you're dancing with, if you're the leader of the dance, you can go anywhere you want, and they're going to go with you. Now, that's sweet and romantic, and I'm fixing to mess it all up. Because we need to read verse 36 again. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If you have the NIV, it says that he was moved with compassion. And this is the part where I have to tell you that the Greek word for moved with compassion, does anybody know what it means? <laughs> it means to be moved in the bowels. I told you I was going to ruin it. You were like, you had me at the dancing, and now you're talking about bowel movements, and what in the world is happening right now? And, and here's why. Listen, because back in the day when this was written, they believed that the bowels were the seat, the, the center of your heart and your will and your emotions. Here's what that means. We believe it's the heart, right? So like you would say, like Valentine's Day cards, they say, like, I love you with all my heart. But Valentine's Day cards, if Hallmark had been around back then, it would have been like, I love you with all my bowels. And that's weird. There's no way around it. That is weird, right? But here's the point. I'm trying not to go too far with this. I'm really working hard. I'm, my filter is really working right now. You know, 
My whole world is in a toilet bowl. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's, it's like weird. This is so weird. The point is this, okay? Now, I'm trying not to go too far, but just check this out. Nobody just thinks about a bowel movement. I know it's weird. Hang with me. There's no way to recover, but we have to go here. It's the Greek, y'all. It's the Greek. You don't just think about it. You do it. And then you do it. We're with it, right? Watch this. He was moved with compassion when he saw the crowds. Christine Kane says this, compassion crosses the street. What is she saying? You don't think about compassion. You move with compassion. That's what the Greek word's saying. You're moved by compassion. Now, watch this. Jesus was moved with compassion, and then what does he do? Verse 37, he said to his disciples, I am moved in my bowels. That's not what it says, is it? The harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus marries something here. He says, I'm, if you lean into my affection for you and my affection for others, guess what's going to happen? You're going to begin to be moved into the harvest field. This umbrella, this is Jesus. And he invites us. See, submission to authority is, is not an intimidating duty. It's an intimate dance. He invites us under the umbrella. When, when Sydney was really small, I would grab her, and she would put her feet on my feet, and we would dance like that, right? She was like, that was back when she thought I was a good dancer, you know. But she couldn't mess up. Why not? Because she was on my feet. If I dance with Wendy and I pull her in close, I can go anywhere I want to and she's going to go. What I need you to see is that when he invites you under the umbrella to dance, here's what he's saying. Just, I'll pull, I'll pull you close. And you'll never have to worry about, like, wait, when can I talk back to the leader and when can I not? And can, when can I leave a church? And when do I have to get, when, who should I vote for? You don't have to worry about that stuff. The question is, how close to Jesus can you get? And if you'll let his firm, strong arm pull you in close, guess what he'll do? He will dance with you. And guess what happens when he dances with you? You start to move, y'all. And guess what else happens when he dances with you? He starts to move you. I know you're thinking he is a really bad dancer. He starts to move you to others that he has an affection for. Because he wants them to come under the umbrella too. If you get this, you'll never come to church just to be you at church. You'll always come trying to bring somebody with you because this is Christianity, y'all. He invites us under the umbrella to dance with him so he can move us with compassion to people that need him. It is. See, we're so worried about being outside of his protection. And he's like, you don't have to worry about that. Just lean into my affection. Just, here's what, here's, here's the whole gospel in a sentence. God says, may I have this dance? 
And Sydney thinks, is he serious? Like right now? Should we get up? Are we supposed to dance? No, you're good. That's the whole gospel. May I have this dance? Will you step under the umbrella of Jesus and dance with me? And just be with me. And then I'll move you where I want you to go. And we bypass the dance. And listen, men, give me a grunt. Boy, that was bad. <laughs> Let me say it more, with more authority. Man, give me a grunt. A.W. Tozer said this. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, the hard part about worship is that in worship, we're all the bride of Christ. And that's a hard deal for men, right? I don't know if any man in here woke up this morning and said, today I hope I can be a bride, right? It's just weird for us, right? We want to be the men. But in worship, in the church, we're all the bride of Christ. He invites all of us to dance with him, which feels a little bit unmanly, doesn't it? Uh, what, what are you doing? Uh, dancing with Jesus. Oh, that's weird. I don't want to go to your church, right? <laughs> he just invites us to dance. And listen, we have to be able to say yes to that. I want to encourage you this morning to say yes to that question. Can I dance with you? May I have this dance? Yes, King, absolutely. Take me anywhere you want. Leave me anywhere you want. If we want his protection, lean into his affection. And just trust him with the direction and the correction. You don't have to worry about rejection. You just trust his affection for you and for others. And dance with your father. And let him take you where he wants to go.